Book number one, chapter four of Camilla. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Sarah Prusoff. Camilla, or A Picture of Youth, by Fanny Burney. Chapter four. When the tumult of this affair subsided, Mr. Tyrold and his family prepared to re-establish themselves at Etherington, and Mrs. Tyrold, the great inducement for the separation being over, was earnest to take home again the disinherited Camilla. Sir Hugh, whose pleasure in her sight was now embittered by regret and remorse, had not courage to make the smallest opposition, yet he spent the day of her departure in groans and penitence. He thought it right, however, to detain Eugenia, who, as his decided heiress, was left to be brought up at Cleves. The loss of the amusing society of his favourite, the disappointment he had inflicted upon her, and the sweetness with which she had borne it, preyed incessantly upon his spirits, and he knew not how to employ himself, which was to direct his thoughts, nor in what manner to beguile one moment of his time after the children were gone to rest. The view of the constant resources which his brother found in literature augmented his melancholy at his own imperfections, and the steady industry with which Mr. Tyrold in early youth had attained them, and which, while devoted to field sports, he had often observed with wonder and pity, he now looked back to with self-reproach, and recognized it in its effect with a reverence almost awful his imagination neither regulated by wisdom nor disciplined by experience having once taken this turn he soon fancied that every earthly misfortune originated in a carelessness of learning and that all he wished and all he wanted upbraided him with his ignorance if disease and pain afflicted him he lamented the juvenile inattention that had robbed him of acquirements which might have taught him not to regard them if the word scholar was named in his presence he heaved the deepest sigh if an article in a newspaper with which he was unacquainted was discussed he reviled his early heedlessness of study and the mention of a common pamphlet which was unknown to him gave him a sensation of disgrace even inevitable calamities he attributed to the negligence of his education and construed every error and every evil of his life to his youthful disrespect of greek and latin such was the state of his mind when his ordinary maladies had the serious aggravation of a violent fit of the gout in the midst of the acute anguish and useless repentance which now alternately ravaged his happiness it suddenly occurred to him that perhaps with proper instruction he might even yet obtain a sufficient portion of this enviable knowledge to enable him to pass his evenings with some similarity to his brother revived by this suggestion he sent for mr tyrold to communicate to him his idea and to beg he would put him into a way to recover his lost time by recommending to him a tutor with whom he might set about a course of studies not that i want cried he to make any particular great figure as a scholar but if i could only learn just enough to amuse me at odd hours and make me forget the gout it's as much as i desire the total impossibility that such a project should answer its given purpose deterred not mr tyrold from listening to his request the mild philosophy of his character saw whatever was lenient to human sufferings as eligible and looked no further for any obstacles to the wishes of another than to investigate if their gratification would be compatible with innocence he wrote, therefore, to a college associate of his younger years, whom he knew to be severely embarrassed in his affairs, and made proposals for settling him in the house of his brother. 
these were not merely gratefully accepted by his old friend but drew forth a confession that he was daily menaced with the public arrest for debts which he had incurred without luxury or extravagance from mere ignorance of the value of money and of economy in the award of cruel reason to attend to what is impracticable appears a folly which no inducement can excuse mrs tyrell treated this scheme with calm but complete contempt she allowed no palliation for a measure of which the abortive end was glaring to hearken to it displeased her as a false indulgence of childish vanity and her understanding felt shocked that mr tyrold would deign to humour his brother in an enterprise which must inevitably terminate in a fruitless consumption of time sir hugh soon but without anger saw her disapprobation of his plan her opinions from a high superiority to all deceit were as unreserved as those of the baronet from a nature incapable of caution he told her he was sorry to perceive that she thought he should make no proficiency but entreated her to take notice there was at least no great presumption in his attempt as he meant to begin with the very beginning and to go no farther at the first than any young little schoolboy for he should give himself fair play by trying his hand with the rudiments which would no sooner be run over than the rest would become plain sailing and if once he added i should conquer the mastery of the classics i shall make but very short work of all the rest mr tyrold saw as forcibly as his wife the utter impossibility that sir hugh could now repair the omissions of his youth but he was willing to console his want of knowledge and soothe his mortifications and while he grieved for his bodily infirmities and pitied his mental repinings he considered his idea not as illaudable though injudicious and in favour of its blamelessness forgave its absurdity he was gratified also in offering an honourable provision to a man of learning in distress whose time and attention could not fail to deserve it if dedicated to his brother in whatever way they might be bestowed he took care to be at cleves on the day dr orkburn this gentleman was expected and he presented him to sir hugh with every mark of regard as a companion in whose conversation he flattered himself pain might be lightened and seclusion from mixed company cheerfully supported dr orkborne expressed his gratitude for the kindness of mr tyrold and promised to make it his first study to merit the high consideration with which he had been called from his retirement a scholastic education was all that had been given to dr orkborne by his friends and though in that their hopes were answered no prosperity followed his labours had been seconded by industry but not enforced by talents and they soon found how wide the difference between acquiring stores and bringing them into use application operating upon a retentive memory had enabled him to lay by the most ample hordes of erudition but these though they rendered him respectable amongst the learned proved nearly nugatory in his progress through the world from a total want of skill and penetration to know how or where they might turn to any account nevertheless his character was unexceptionable his manners were quiet and his fortune was ruined these were the motives which induced rather the benevolence than the selection of mr tyrold to name him to his brother in the hope that while an asylum at cleves would exonerate him from all pecuniary hardships his very deficiency in brilliance of parts and knowledge of mankind which though indifferently modified was equal to that of sir hugh himself would obviate regret of more cultivated society and facilitate their reciprocal satisfaction the introduction over mr tyrold sought by general topics to forward their acquaintance before any allusion should be made to the professed plan of sir hugh 
but Sir Hugh was too well pleased with its ingenuity to be ashamed of its avowal. He began, therefore, immediately to descant upon the indolence of his early years, and to impeach the want of timely severity in his instructors. "'For there is an old saying,' he cried, but remarkably true, "'that learning is better than house or land, which I am an instance of myself, for I have house and land plenty, yet don't know what to do with them properly, nor with myself neither, for want of a little notion of things to guide me by.' His brother, he added, had been too partial in thinking him already fitted for such a master as Dr. Orkborne, though he promised, notwithstanding his time of life, to become the most docile of pupils, and he hoped before long to do no discredit to the doctor as his tutor. Mr. Tyrold, whose own benign countenance could scarce refrain from a smile at this unqualified opening, endeavoured to divert to some other subject the grave astonishment of Dr. Orkborne, who, previously aware of the age and ill-health of the baronet, naturally concluded himself called upon to solace the privacy of his life by reading or discourse, but suggested not the most distant surmise he could be summoned as a preceptor. Sir Hugh, however, far from palliating any design, disguised not even a feeling. He plunged deeper and deeper in the acknowledgment of his ignorance, and soon set wholly apart the delicate circumspection of his brother by demanding of Dr. Orkborne what book he thought he had best buy for a beginning. Receiving from the wondering doctor no answer, he good-humouredly added, "'Come, don't be ashamed to name the easiest for this reason. You must know my plan is one of my own, which it is right to tell you.' as fast as i get on i intend for the sake of remembering my lesson to send for one of my nephews and teach it all over again to him myself which will be doing service to us all at once mr tyrell now though for a few moments he looked down thought it best to leave the matter to its own course and dr orkborne to his own observations fully persuaded that the smiles sir hugh might excite would be transient and that no serious or lasting ridicule could be attached to his character in the mind of a worthy man to whom time and opportunity would be allowed for an acquaintance with its habitual beneficence he excused himself therefore from staying any longer somewhat to the distress of dr orkborne but hardly with the notice of the baronet whose eagerness in his pursuit completely engrossed him his late adventure and his new heiress now tormented him no more indiana was forgotten camilla but little thought of and his whole mind became exclusively occupied by this fruitful expedient for retrieving his lost time dr orkborne whose life had been spent in any study rather than that of human nature was so little able to enter into the character of sir hugh that nothing less than the respect he knew to be due to mr tyrold could have saved him upon his first reception from a suspicion that he had been summoned in mere mockery the situation, however, was peculiarly desirable to him, and the experiment, in the beginning, corresponded with the hopes of Mr. Tyrold. Placed suddenly in ease and affluence, Dr. Orkborne, with the most profound desire to please, sought to sustain so convenient a post by obliging the patron, whom he soon saw it would be vain to attempt improving while sir hugh in return professed himself the most fortunate of men that he had now met with a scholar who had the good nature not to despise him relief from care thus combining with opportunity dr orkborne was scarce settled ere he determined upon the execution of a long critical and difficult work in philology which he had often had in contemplation but never found leisure to undertake by this means he had a constant resource for himself 
and the baronet observing that time never hung heavy upon his hands conceived a yet higher admiration of learning and felt his spirits proportionately reanimated by the fair prospect of participating in such advantages from this dream however he was soon awakened a parcel by the direction of dr orkborne arrived from his bookseller with materials for going to work sir hugh then sent off a message to the parsonage house informing his brother and his family that they must not be surprised if they did not see or hear of him for some time as he had got his hands quite full and should be particularly engaged for a week or two to come dr orkborne still but imperfectly conceiving the extent either of the plan or of the simplicity of his new pupil proposed as soon as the packet was opened that they should read together but sir hugh replied that he would do the whole in order and by no means skip the rudiments the disappointment which followed may be easily imagined with neither quickness to learn nor memory to retain he aimed at being initiated in the elements of a dead language for which youth can only find time and application and even youth but by compulsion his head soon became confused his ideas were all perplexed his attention was vainly strained and his faculties were totally disordered astonished at his own disturbance which he attributed solely to not getting yet into the right mode he laughed off his chagrin but was steady in his perseverance and continued wholly shut up from his family and friends with a zeal worthy better success lesson after lesson however only aggravated his difficulties till his intellects grew so embarrassed he scarce knew if he slept or waked his nights became infected by the perturbation of the day his health visibly suffered from the restlessness of both and all his flattering hopes of new and unknown happiness were ere long exchanged for despair he now sent for his brother and desired to speak with him alone when catching him fast by the hand and looking piteously in his face do you know my dear brother he cried i find myself turning out as sheer a blockhead as ever for all i have got so many more years over my head than when i began all this hard jingle jangle before mr tyrold with greater concern than surprise endeavoured to reassure and console him by pointing out a road more attainable for reaping benefit from the presence of dr orkborne than the impracticable path into which he had erroneously entered ah no my dear brother he answered if i don't succeed this way i am sure i shall succeed no other for as to pains i could not have taken more if i had been afraid to be flogged once a day and that gentleman has done all he can too as far as i know to the contrary but i really think whatever is the meaning of it there's some people can't learn then shaking his head he added in a low voice to say the truth i might as well have given it up from the very first for any great comfort i found in it if it had not been for fear of hurting that gentleman however don't let the poor gentleman know that for i've no right to turn him off upon nothing merely for the fault of my having no head which how can he help mr tyrold agreed in the justice of this reflection and undertook to deliberate upon some conciliatory expedient sir hugh heartily thanked him but only in the meantime that you are thinking cried he how shall i bring it about to stop him from coming to me with all those books for my study for do you know my dear brother because i asked him to buy me one for my beginning he sent for a full score and when he comes to me about my lesson he brings them all upon me together which is one thing for aught i know that helps to confuse me for i am wondering all the time when i shall get through with them however say nothing of all this before the poor gentleman for fear he should take it as a hint which might put him out of heart for which reason i'd rather take another lesson lord help me than vex him 
Mr. Tyrold promised his best consideration, and to see him again the next morning. But he had hardly left Cleves ten minutes, when a man and horse came galloping after him, with a petition that he would return without delay. The baronet received him with a countenance renovated with self-complacency. "'I won't trouble you,' he cried, "'to think any more, for now I have got a plan of my own, which I will tell you. Not to throw this good gentleman entirely away, I intend having a sort of a kind of school set up here in my sick room, and so to let all my nephews come, and say their tasks to him in my hearing, and then, who knows, but I may pick up a little amongst them myself, without all this hard study. Mr. Tyrold stated the obvious objections to so wild a scheme, but he besought him not to oppose it, as there was no other way for him to get rid of his tutoring, without sending off Dr. Orkborne. He desired, therefore, that Lionel might come instantly to Cleves, saying, I shall write myself to Eden, by the means of the doctor, to tell the master I shall take Claremont entirely home after the next holidays, for the sake of having him study under my own eye. He then entreated him to prepare Dr. Orkborne for his new avocation. Mr. Tyrold, who saw that in this plan the inventor alone could be disappointed, made no further remonstrance, and communicated the design to Dr. Orkborne, who, growing now deeply engaged in his own undertaking, was perfectly indifferent to whom or to what his occasional attendance might be given. End of chapter 4